Welcome to Susie Petrozzi's Empowered Conversations. With over 20 years of experience as a clinical psychologist, Susie is an expert at taking people on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery. Join Susie as she talks to remarkable people who share their insights and lessons for living a purpose-driven life to inspire you in your own journey. Hello and welcome. Welcome to another immersive conversation. And today my guest is Karen Chaston, who is the co-founder of the Chaston Center, a place for meaningful living. She's an international best-selling author and speaker. And as a former CFO of a publicly listed company and a senior manager for well over 25 years, she understands profits. But now as a beyond loss expert, she understands people and how crippling and life-changing loss can be. The Jason Center's many programs have two focuses. Firstly, assisting individuals to create their better everyday life after any kind of loss. And then secondly, assisting businesses to ensure that their people, productivity and profits are thriving. I'm really excited to welcome you, Karen. Um, Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, We connected many years ago and it's great to reconnect. We, yeah, so we connected at this, um, what was it called, Leadership, uh, Women in Leadership Leadership. Summit. You were one of the moderators? I I was, I was the, um, MC for the first day. You were the and MC. You were for the second day, weren't you? I was one of the. Yeah, I was. I was like, well, I don't know what day actually, but I remember being a moderator for one of the panels, and it was yes. good fun. Anyway, we met there, and you know, it's interesting because we we connected, we started talking, and we really didn't know where our paths would cross. And in fact, one of the things you said is that, well, I didn't think we'd really connect. You know, because, you know, we all carry certain things within us that we often project onto others and it can block, I I think it can block our perception of um, what is possible, perception of um, the the beautiful potential that's in front of us. And I completely resonated with that when you, when you, when we only spoke about that the other day. So you You've been on a uh, huge journey. Um, let's start back. Tell me a little bit. Where do you want to take us from? <laughs> okay. So I'll take us, let's all go back to 2011. Um, in 2011, July 2011, I was the CFO of a public listed company. Loved my life. Most people looking at me would go, she's successful. You know, I ticked those success boxes, which we think are success boxes. Mm. I'd just like to add, you know, great career, house, kids, overseas trips, amazing car, you know, amazing salary, all those sort of tick, 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 tick. And though I wasn't looking after myself at all, you know, when, when we have a visual video, I would normally show my passport photos and yes, passport photos are not always that great, but believe me, my 2007 passport photo, I look 20 years older than what I do now. 
Wow. And then I will show them my 2017 passport photo, which is 10 years later. I look 10 years younger than in my 2007. And the reason why I like to show it, it's not to say, oh, look how great I look now. It's to show people that when you are living in what I call a Groundhog Day days, where everything just flows into the other, you're not really looking after yourself, you're not really looking after, you know, many areas of your life, you're just really just focusing on one or two, you're not living your authentic self. And that's why, um, you know, a lot of the time people wear their masks and you think that we're, you know, being this great, amazing person, um, but we're not and we don't know what's going on inside of people. I love to tell this story that I think it was around 2016, probably around the time we met. I was sitting in a cafe um, in Australia Fair talking to a lady and we were working together. And this other lady, I didn't, I didn't know who she was, she started walking towards me and she looked amazing. She was so well put together, I was drawn to let her know how amazing she looked. So as she walked towards me, I said to the lady, I was talking, excuse me for a sec. And I said to the lady, excuse me, and she looked down at me and she went, what? And I went, ooh. Okay, maybe I've sort of overstepped here. And then I, and I, you know, just conjured up all the courage inside of me. And I said, I just want to tell you that you look amazing. You are so well put together. You are perfection. I have never seen a woman who is so amazing. And she took a breath and she went and she looked at me and she said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. She said, I am having the worst day of my life. Wow. And you have just made it a little bit better. Thank you for stopping me. Mm. So we never know what's going on inside of people. Mm. On the outside, we may look perfect, but on the inside, we don't know. We know what's going on inside ourselves. And I always like to say that so often we are comparing ourselves with other people, but we're comparing our inner and our, our front and back of house with everyone else's front of house. Mm. And we're never going to live up to that. So I know I've gone off. <laughs> no, but this is so good. This is so good. Yeah. I, and I just want to reinforce that point. We are never going to live up to that. And Karen, like, you know, I'm just going to be so vulnerable and real now. You know, school's gone back. Everything's kind of, you know, like I've hit the road running. I really feel that in a good way. But I've noticed with that certain emotions and thoughts got triggered. And so instead of ignoring that, I sat down and I just wrote them out word for word. And I tell you what they were and they were and, and so I just there was no filter um what was it uh it was it because okay my because my, one of my girls is starting um high school uh my kids what what was it my uh I, I'm I'm worried that my kids won't be seen for the beautiful pe people that, that they are I'm worried that um 
what else was I'm worried that I'm missing out. I'm worried that people are not seeing me. Anyway, I trickle, trickle, trickle down to um, this deep fear of not belonging, this deep fear of not being seen. And I thought, oh, interesting. Or for yourself. What was that? Say that again. For your children or yourself. It was just a deep fear for myself. My children and the fear that I experienced in them was reflected back to me in terms of what was this about for me. But it takes me back to the mask. It takes me back exactly to what Mm. you were saying. And what a powerful way to start because, you know, you were saying we all wear masks and, and because of that we can't recognize the amazing powerful self that we are. So to take this back to your story, you know, being in corporate, what things were like, you know, you comparing those photos. And and I said this to yesterday when we caught up prior Mm. to this, you know, leading up to this conversation, Karen, can I just say that you look younger? It's incredible. Mm. And truth be told, you do. So Thank you. you. Th- this has all come out of that really deep work on yourself. You haven't totally. had it easy. So tell oh. me, take me back because okay. there's so much in I it will, for everyone. I will take you back, but I just want to tell me. Yes. On that beautiful comment because when we wear our masks, we 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 put like a barrier up, which stops us connecting heart to heart. Mm. We connect brain to brain and there's this saying that the eight-inch journey that you will take from your brain to your heart is the longest journey you'll ever take in your life. And I know that we all come into this world heart-centred, you know, beautiful, absolutely beautiful people and I have the privilege of having three young grandchildren around me at the moment and having this awareness and watching them, just watching them how they quickly go through their emotions, you know, within within a five-second thing they'll go from crying to laughing to, you know, ecstatic but maybe back to crying again. So quickly they allow their emotions to do what they're designed to do energy emotion emotion you know but we as we grow we get shut down don't act like that don't do that that's not appropriate social socially you will be unacceptable if you continue to do that and you know for women in corporate there are so many men with well-intended comments I can remember if you want to be a senior manager stop doing that stop talking that way stop dressing that way stop you know it was so you slowly 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 lose who you are every now and then she will come out because you it's like a you know a bird in a cage it's trying to get out trying to become mm. and that's why I love to refer to my days in corporate as me living in a groundhog day days mm. because I was going through the motions I wasn't living and loving my life and then on the 10th of July it was a Sunday morning my husband and I woke thinking we were going to have a lazy day at home. And I loved my lazy Sundays at home because I would work so much the other six days that it was my recoup, my rest and restore. Not that I sat on the couch all day, but but it was, you know, let's go for what. We lived in Narrabeen, you know, beautiful Narrabeen. How could you not? You've got the ocean and you've got the the, um, lake. And, of course, we overlooked Narrabeen Lake, so it was beautiful. Anyway, we woke. And within seconds, 
I was running down the stairs, out the back door, looking at my beautiful 27-year-old son, Dan, lying at the back door in the fetal position with saliva coming out of his mouth. We both thought that he was unconscious because he had saliva Mm. come out of his mouth. But within moments, the paramedics arrived and they said those words that no mother, no parent ever wants to hear. I'm sorry, madam, he is dead, probably has been for several hours. Now, what does one do with that? Surrenders, yeah. What would you do with it? You know, it's, it's the words that, I think it's, you know, and, and my book is, is the, that I wrote about that is Beyond a Mother's Worst Nightmare. Mm. And I truly believe that that's the last thing that we ever expect. It's all out of order. We expect to die in the order of our birth, even though we have no expiry date on our birth certificate. We still all expect that. So we, um, so we, you know, obviously had his funeral that week and, and I went to work a little bit just to tidy up things. But, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we're putting in places for you to be away for a month. And I was like, why? Why? And I literally returned to work the day after his funeral because that's what people do, isn't it? That's what you're told to do. Keep busy, give it time, everything will be okay. And, of course, you just shove it down. Um, you shove your emotions down, you shove everything down, you, for the first three, four weeks, if you're lucky, a lot of people get the one week, you have all these people around you. But then after that, you really start to notice that society doesn't know how to deal with loss, so they'll start to avoid you. They'll start to make comments like, well, you know, aren't you back to normal yet? Like, what's wrong with you? You literally see people cross the road to avoid you because they don't want to talk to you, because they don't understand what to do or what to say. And it's incredible how... Our lack of loss intelligence really does affect the way that we all live worldwide mm. and we all go into avoidance. Well, you know, my avoidance tactics were eating more, drinking more, working more. Mm. I was already drinking a bottle of wine a night to get through my stressed lifestyle, so we just upped it. And, of course, that's not good. Mm. My husband and I grieved completely differently and there's nothing wrong with that. But we didn't understand why they were doing Why? Why is he acting like that? Why is he doing this? My husband went more in whereas I went out. And um, it was really, really interesting. So life carried on or tried to carry on. But, you know, there's always that empty seat at the table. Now, Dan um, is a twin. He's twin brother, um, obviously, and he has an older brother. And he also has a half-sister who wasn't really um, in his life. He had met her a couple of times. I adopted her out when I was 16. So she was in our lives but not really as much as what she is now. So we just carried on as you do. And, of course, the universe wasn't happy with me just carrying on. That was meant to have been my wake-up call. It was meant to be my big slap. Come on. Mm. You've played around what you're doing now. Now's your time to actually do what you came here to do. 
and and it was it took me a little while to actually realize that because you know we like our comfort zone so 15 months after dan passed the um, company i was working with which was a pub group we had 35 leaseholds and 20 of those leaseholds was owned by one landlord and gold and we were both debt stricken um, you know, most of our pubs were born just before the 2000, uh, were bought just before the 2007 um, smoking law changes. So they overpaid probably for them. So we had a lot of debt um, and we were struggling. And if it wasn't for the bank supporting us, we probably would have gone down. And I knew that when I took that job. I was literally, believe it or not, I started on the 1st of April and they said, if you still have a job at the end of June, we're doing really well. And I was there for five years. So we did do really well. Um, and I made a huge difference to that company. And so what happened was they uh, Goldman Sachs from America, after the GFC, they started looking outside of America because America didn't cover recover as well as what Australia did. So they were looking for industries that if it wasn't for their debt, they'd be really successful because they knew they could buy the debt, um, obviously at a reduced rate, and then build the company up to where it, you know, would be viable. And that's what they did. So they bought our company and they bought the other company with the idea of bringing them together, which took a lot longer than they expected. And during that merger process, they said to me, Karen, you're not going to be the CFO in the new company, but we really want you to come with us. We want you to be, you'll be doing everything you're doing now, plus more. We really would love to have you. And initially I went, yeah, I don't care what my title is, you know, typical female downgrading themselves. Um, and, and I thought, yeah, fine. I love my job. This is good. Until they gave me my contract. And, and I knew that they were delaying in giving my contract. So I did, because I knew they were picking my brains. Um, that's one good thing is I've always had great intuition and I've always listened to my intuition. And since I've left, I've really increased that. And I'm really, really grateful. We all have it, but how often do we listen to our gut? And that's the thing that most people need to know. So I forced them to give me my contract probably a month sooner than what they wanted to. And the salary was for two-thirds of what I was currently on. And I sarcastically said, I can't do this job part-time. And they went, and we don't like your sense of humour. And I'm going, not a good reason why not to work for you sort of thing. And um, so then I was angry. Mm. For about 48 hours, I was like, are you serious? I've been in this job for nearly five years and you're telling me that everyone's going back to zero when it comes to who they are and what they do. I'm going, that's pathetic. Like that, that just doesn't happen. I'm not a new employee. You know who I am. You know how hard I work. You know I'm always the first one in and normally the last one to leave. You've got to be joking. So I was angry for 48 hours and then I like to say that I started to wake up from my days. I really started to go, wow, I'm only there for the money, which I had never realised. And if you're honest, you're wasting most of that money just to get through the day. You're not looking at after yourself. You're so unhealthy. A lot of your relationships need attention, but you have no time. You have no energy to actually build them. So what are you doing? So after a quick call to make sure that they would have to pay me redundancy, I told them no. 
And it was so empowering. They were shocked. They were so shocked. But the thing that really empowered me more than anything else was my understanding that if I took that job, I was going to die from the inside out. Mm. And eventually it probably would cause disease in my body. It would probably have not worked for me. I would have felt they're using me. They're not looking after me. And I am at an age, I was 55, I think, around then. And I was at an age where I was over working really, really hard and other people taking the credit for it and the salary for it. Mm. Not an unfamiliar story, Karen, especially for a I woman, know. right? And it's but you've got to find your voice. And mm. I was always good at asking for more money. And that's why I was on the salary I was on. I had no problems with that. I was always um into I always found it interesting when young women would come to me and they would say, help me get a pay increase. Like, how do I do it? And I'm like, just go and ask for it. Just put your case mm. together. You know, don't go in there and say, well, I work harder than Mary Jo and Mary Jo's on more than me. That's not how you ask for a salary increase. So I would help them to put their, um, you know, their case together, even though I was the one that was probably going to approve it or not approve it. But it was like helping them to understand that you show the value that you bring to this company that will employ you. Like not long ago, probably about six months ago, I was talking to a guy who was a consultant who wanted to have his um, his consultancy rate upped. So he put a PowerPoint presentation together, went to the board, presented it all to them, and they said, oh, well, yeah, I guess you're on that salary now. <laughs> it's that simple. What you're going to do is put your case forward. So anyone listening? That's Back yeah. yourself, but you've yeah. got to bring the case together. It's not just a one simple, I want more money. You explain the value you bring to this company and how your work is so intricate in the whole part of that company. And so that's such an important process because doing that in itself can really open your eyes to what you're doing, what you're capable of. It's kind of like writing a CV, which I had to do recently. I'm like, whoa, I've done a whole lot here. But anyway, back to back to then yeah. waking up, Karen, like you talk about that. And, and when you say waking up, it is, it's almost like a, you know, shiver down the spine kind of moment, a real kind yeah. of awakening and and removing the veils tell me then what happened it's not easy it's so not easy Mm. you're so invested in who that person was and you totally believe that that is who you are Mm. so it's not easy so I, I like to say that I I went on a mental physical emotional spiritual journey of coming back to me And it's not easy looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what, I don't like this about you. I don't like your um, the way you can be so flippant or the way you can be so dismissive and the way you do this or this or that. But I do love this and I do love this. So, you know, it is about really deep diving and being totally honest with yourself and maybe even asking some people for their, you know, thoughts. You don't have to buy into them, but just to just to get a, a broader perspective mm. of figuring out what you want to start doing what you want to stop doing and what you want to continue doing. And it's, you know, it's like the old, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. 
because you we are so busy as women helping everyone else you know I you know working for that company was great but I wasn't looking after me so I was really busy building the company and being great there but I wasn't looking after me and I wasn't looking after myself financially I was wasting a lot of it you know drinking hundred dollar bottle of wines instead of ten dollar bottle of wines you know which is fine but after you onto your second bottle is there any difference Mm. apart from ninety dollars probably not sort of thing so it's it's those sort of things it's quieting the ego and understanding who you are like in all aspects of you who you are biochemically you know Braveheart women who I joined um I learned so much from them um, they explained, which I, I did my sort of life coaching with them, but they also deep dived into women so that we could understand who we are biochemically, the difference between male and females, the difference between what cortisol and adrenaline does in a woman's body compared to a man's body. And when we're totally stressed and totally living in our, in our overdrive, 24 7 you know and then expect to easily have kids 10 years later after you know living that life understanding that the choices you make today will affect you down the road and it it was an eye-opener to me I was in my 50s and I was like Mm. why didn't I understand this like why didn't I understand that something as simple as breathing can bring me into my parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to uh, going for that bottle of wine to bring me down. Uh, just simple little things like that. Putting your feet in the ocean to calm you down. To and you can you can literally feel it and more or less see the steam come off your body as you do that. It's so amazing how nature and we have all these tools that cost nothing that will assist us to live our best life. Mm. But we're not taught that. Yeah, yeah, so true, isn't it? And and I wonder if sometimes there is an avoidance of those simple techniques because, well, I'd say they take us closer inwards, and ego, you know, is reluctant to to confront that. That that ego doesn't go easily, (laughs) and you know, and for the rest of you, like, look, you still need your ego. I'm not going to say you can get rid of it forever, but you need to understand, and you need to start to really watch and I had I remember when I first started going to networking groups and meeting with people and everything like that and a lady pulled me aside and um and she said to me Karen your language um it was I wasn't swearing or anything but she said Karen your language she said it's 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 nothing to do with you you know the age of who you are and she was older than me she said our education system taught us necessity as opposed to possibility Mm. and just changing, you know, things from have to to maybe, you know, when you're speaking and it's just such a softer thing. And she gave me the greatest gift because I really did start to deep dive into the way that I spoke. So powerful. It is so powerful, but I even went a step further. I started looking at words, um, English words, and breaking them down. And, you know, I'm sure we've all heard that, you know, we live our life in ease and if we don't, we're in disease. And if we're in disease, we will cause disease in our body. But the one that I really love the most, one of the ones I love the most is lessons. 
right? So we all are going to receive many multiple lessons throughout our lives. And the sooner you deep dive in and find that lesson, it's less on you. I love that. I have never Isn't broken down. I've never broken down lessons. Thank you for sharing that one. Oh, I've never seen it broken down. <laughs> I know lessons is amazing. Most people have never heard of lessons. Mm. And it came to me just out of the blue when I was talking to someone about, you know, what are the lessons? What are the gifts? And now I went, oh, oh, oh. You know, it just came to me yeah. like that, literally like that, which I know is my son and my guides on the other side just feeding me all the time. You know, I give them credit for all my books. I Dan is the co-founder of the Chaston Centre. You know, I just know how guided and I know that we agreed to this. Can I ask you more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before I do that, I want to bring one more word. Blame. (laughs) Which one? Blame. Uh Blame. Now, yeah, now most people would go, how do you break down blame? But listen, when you're in the blah, you are not taking responsibility. And most of us go into the blah, 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 Mm. they did this and blah, 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 blah. You have forgotten about me. Oh, I love that. I knew you would say And it's almost like blah me. It's almost like blah me. So putting yourself down, that is brilliant. Isn't it? Oh, Cara, that's awesome. But it is so, but there's so many beautiful Mm. words like that. And it's our language tells us. And I must admit the blah, blah and the me, it was like, oh, my God. So whenever anyone is in blame, just go, but where was I in that? Mm. Because there's two people in every relationship. And sure, they may have done something, (coughs) excuse me, to you, but the thing is what did you do and say or not do and say before? That, Mm. you know, it's not as though something happens. It's not as though a a marriage breaks down over one thing. It's a slow build. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Um, Karen, I want that you've get like just through as you're sharing your journey, you, you're giving so, so many amazing little tips oh, and, you. and, you know, pearls of wisdom. And one of the things that I want to, you know, help, well, that I, that I'd like to know more about is so here you are on this journey, you know, you're learning, you're opening yourself up, you're working yourself so deeply, which takes a lot of courage as we know those that are on that journey. And and I think we all are, but a different rate anyway. Um, Where does finding meaning with losing Dan, Dan come in? Yeah. What's the process of that been? It's really interesting. So I guess probably, you know, while I was avoiding um, really working harder and all that sort of stuff, for probably about two years by the time, almost two years, (coughs) excuse me. So then I started to, you know, through Brave Heart Women, I started to work more on me. I started to see, um, you know, where I wanted to go. And then all of a sudden, all these spiritual people started coming into my life um, amazingly, and I'm so grateful to them. Now, I've always had a, I was brought up Catholic, but I've always had more of a spiritual understanding than a Catholic understanding. Look, there are some great basic things in the Catholics, but, you know, we all know that they sort of went off on a tangent somewhere along the line. But they do have some good values that they do actually bring. Um, But then I just knew there was more spiritual things. And 
10 years before Dan passed. So I'm one of seven children. There's six girls and then a boy last. And, yes, he is the golden child, as you'd expect. I'm the third eldest. So my sister, who's just two years older than me, uh, we're both Geminis and we're both very spiritual. And we both, you know, left home at 18 and then didn't really practice uh, Catholicism. But in 2001, I read a book called Life on the Other Side by Sylvia Brown. And I highly recommend it. Sylvia Brown has since passed, but she um, was a medium. And through her guide, she told us through the book how what we do before we come down here, what we do when we come down here, and what we do when we pass. And I loved the book. It was a, the, it was really enlightening. And that's my first what I call knowing book. Mm. So a knowing book to me is as you're reading it, you're thinking. I've never heard this before, but I know this is right. Mm. And and all the way through it, I had all these knowing moments. That's great. And it was an amazing book. Don't you love it when you read a book like that? Yeah, but I also love how you're sharing that because you're really then helping people re- reinforce and reaffirm that that intuitive feeling around what is right for them. It's beautiful. Yes. Yes, and someone else will read it and they will have none of that experience because it's not Mm. what they're meant to hear Mm. at this time. It may be for them to read at another time. Mm. And that's that's where we've always got to appreciate where people are in their journey. Um, And, you know, it, it doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong. We're just not, you know, at the same phase in our journey at the same time. So when Dan passed suddenly, because... It was a healthy 27-year-old who went out the night before. Um, you know, we were all in shock. So when he passed suddenly, a lot of people were not coping. So I bought 10 copies of that book and I handed them out to them. I, ha- I have a girlfriend. She's nine years old, man. She used to babysit the kids when they were little. She was not coping. She, she said, I can't get out of bed. She goes, you're better than me and I'm not even the mother. And I'm going, okay, maybe I'm more in avoidance. She couldn't get out of bed. So I gave her the book and she said that helped her. It really helped to, because you could see what Dan was doing, you know, mm. when we pass all those sort of things. So that was the, that was a reconfirmation of my spirituality. And then I kept getting people, spiritual people coming to me, telling me, you know, Dan said this and, and, and you just knew on the day of Dan's funeral, he, um, there was a rainbow, uh, which everyone saw. A lot of people saw Dan number plates uh, on different cars. Some saw them on the way from the where we had the service to where we had the wake. It was just amazing. He, it was so obvious it was here. We tried to show a couple of videos where it sort of was, but they were funny. The twins for their 21st, we gave them a um, jump out of a plane experience. Well, it was filmed and all the way down, Dan, Dan, I reckon, said a million Fs. He absolutely loved it, but it was F, 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 F all the way down. We tried to show that video and it, it wouldn't play. And everyone was like, Dan's got the power and he's stopping us from doing this sort of thing. It was really, really beautiful. So it was always aware that he was around. Mm. So with the, through these spiritual people, through me writing my books, through all of this, through me connecting more and more with him, I even had an amazing three-way conversation with him. One of my friends just reached out to me and said, Dan wants to talk to you. Are you open to it? And I went, I didn't know you did that. So we had an amazing conversation, which was really good because he explained actually what happened while he was lying there 
And and it was it was heart wrenching. And I said to him, I said, "Oh, Dan, I'm so sorry that you knew you were dying, and we, me, your Dad, and I were, you know, asleep in the front bedroom, and you were down the back of the house." He said, "Don't worry about it, Mum. You both Austral travelled, and you helped me pass." Wow. And I went, "Holy hell! I knew we Austral travelled at night. I didn't know we did things like that." So how amazing is that? Mm, there's a real, you know, when you're sharing all of that, there's a real sense of acceptance because of your deeper understanding of what happens and yeah. what a beautiful, yeah, what, what a beautiful thing to be able to to allow and accept into into our realm. I was going to say yours, but all of ours. It is it just all of our realm. makes you it know, easier for us to be at peace with things. Yes, and the more I've de- deep dived into loss, and mm. you know, there are over forty different types of loss. But with every loss, it's only the physical that changes; the emotional and the spiritual lives on forever. So, for example, you know, with death, obviously the physical is obvious. But when we say for a divorce or a job loss, so you physically won't be going and interacting with those people or you won't be touching them the way you used to or, you know, not that I mean in the workplace you're touching people, but you know what I mean. You know, so you, you won't be, you know, sane and hanging out and doing things with them physically, but emotionally you're still attached. Like I still loved my job. I still love that job. I love my time that I worked there. And I will always love that because it gave me that CFO role that, you know, most people who are accountants want to rise to that. So it, it gave me the opportunity to do that. And I grew so much in that role and I appreciated the, the growth that came to me. I held myself back a lot in that role, surprisingly. You know, I used to look at my CEOs and I used to go, wow, look at the way they talk. Look at the way they command the audience. I thought I could never do that. Look at me now. You've got to get the hook and drag me off the stage. And it's so different. Because you're in, the, in a different space doing yeah, what you love I'm doing. passionate. Yeah. yeah. And that's the difference. When you're connected passionately to something, you just love it. And that's, you know, and and I do thank you for saying I look younger, but that's why I look younger because I'm living my life on purpose. Mm. I am, you know, I look after myself mentally. I really, I correct myself, not as much now as what I used to, but I would be mid-sentence and I would say a word and I would change it because I'm very aware of the things you say and it's and, I, and how your language can bring you up or bring you down. You know, and one of my favourite things is when people will say something and I'll just go, dissipate, 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 I'm not buying into that energy sort of thing. And they're like, oh, okay, rightio. And I'm like, well, I'm not taking it on. Mm. So, you know, it is about putting up your armour. It is about understanding your boundaries. And I didn't have enough boundaries that I set in my earlier life. And I feel a lot of people are exactly the same when it comes to boundaries. Mm. Can I ask you, um, with respect to, I, I was going to say corporate, but it doesn't just have to be corporate. Let's just look at society as a general. And you talked about loss. I remember early on you were saying how it's hard for people to know what to do with someone who's, you know, grieving. Yes. Um, 
What's your sense as to deeper down why that is? Like, I'm just wondering if it has something to do with our own loss that we haven't grieved in some way. Um, and I'll just, if you can speak to that, but I just want to add a realization here. This is where this is coming from. So, um, maybe two years ago, just before COVID, I did, um, integral somatic psychology training, which is really working with the body and the emotional energy of our emotions. And we were role-playing and one of the things that came up was this incredible trauma and sadness and loss around um, grieving for my country, so former Yugoslavia, because I left in um, October 91 because of the war. And But what happened in that moment that actually made me confront that confront my own grief that I had never confronted in the way I did is that when I spoke about it because of the questions that were asked about my childhood, I spoke about it very quickly. So I said something, oh, yeah, I grew up in Croatia, I lived there for nine years. That was the kind of rate at which I spoke. So I wonder, you know, and and then when I acknowledged that there was so much so much emotion that came up, so much grief, so much trauma as well, what's your sense about that? Karen, for others, for our society, um, are we all grieving on some level for something or or maybe it's suppressed? Yes, we suppress so much because of our lack of loss intelligence. So most people don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't want to think about it. They certainly don't want to think about their death. But whereas there's this um, beautiful country, Bhutan, Mm. Um, which is in between India, Tibet, and um, and India, Tibet, and China, and it's a really beautiful little town. Now, the Bhutanese people they meditate on their death from the time they're around four onwards, so they are not scared of death. They are classed as the happiest people in the world because they've they've they're living their life they're not worried about what happens after death or whether it'll be painful or stuff like that they have they've they're literally meditate on it now it sounds a little bit morbid for the western world but when you think about it if you're not scared of death mm. you can really live your life yeah and it's so beautiful but it's really important that you actually said you ha- you didn't grieve for your country now, did you speak English when you came here? I was learning English. So my, my mother tongue was Serbo-Croatian. Exactly. Yeah. So you not only did you leave behind your country mm. that was war-torn, you left behind your friends, you left behind your language, your customs. So you, there's a lot to grieve mm. for. And people don't value that because everyone would be going, but you're coming to a better life. Like, what, what, why are you grieving yeah. that horrible life? This is a better life. But is it a better life? Mm. Who says it's a better life? You know, because I'm sure that in your family unit you were, you know, very looked after, you know, and all those sort of things. Sure, you had the threat mm. of being attacked with war and, and who knows what else what may have happened. We don't want to really go into that. But the thing is allowing you to complete Mm. to complete now in my five-step process step four is complete but what we have done before we have stopped we have accepted and we've identified and in the identify stage we identify everything that's not complete so we can identify things that we want to forgive things that we want to um 
acknowledge, things that we want to uh, apologise for. Mm. And as we deep dive into it even further, we then look at all of our hopes, dreams and aspirations, things that we really wanted to do that we now know may not come come to fruition the way that we planned, but we can start to identify the ways they can come to fruition. And then it's about a, a matter of doing that. So for you to actually even write in your letter for what you have lost through coming to a new country, sure, you have gained a lot, but to actually appreciate it and acknowledge it and thank it because at the root of who you are it's in your dna yeah it's so important you, you could probably go back a thousand years through your generational mm. um, thing I, you know my daughter-in-law's polish and we went to their wedding they had two weddings one in poland and one in australia in 2018 and her father said to me um, that their family can be traced back 990 years wow and I'm like in Australia it's like <laughs> lucky to get 200 or you know 250 yeah. now but it's but it's so interesting that you have a lot in your DNA that I can understand why you're grieving but you would have been shut down mm. because of but you're going to a better life Mm. So you would have been, you, the part of you that grieved would have gone, oh, I have to put that aside because I'm now living this better life. So I've got to live up to this better life. So you never had a chance to actually just do the process of thanking the country for who you are, thanking you for the DNA, mm. thanking you for some values, all those sort of things, and then you can move on. Now, that's huge, but you can do it when you move your house. Like my process when I move house is I go into every room mm. and I thank every room for the times that we've had in there, for the things that we've done. You know, I might go into, for example, we've got a four-bedroom house, you know, one bedroom is my office, but in, a, in another room, this is where my grandson sleeps when he comes to visit. So I would sit there and I'd thank him for, you know, all the times that we lay there and read a book and did this. I'd go into the guest room and thank you for all the guests who have been here, you know, into our own bedroom. Then you'd go into every room for all the times. And that's how you complete the house beautiful. and thank the house. But it's a process most of us don't do no in all areas of our lives for all of the things we're grieving yeah. and it could be something as simple as changing schools you said your daughter's just started high school yeah so you know and that's huge mm. high school is huge mm. it's different to primary and it is about you know leaving behind the primary and thanking for it and then being excited about the differences as opposed to going oh i didn't i don't like the way this is so different to what it was but accepting that change is the mm. only thing that we are guaranteed in life, apart from death and taxes. Mm. <laughs> Karen, that that process that you talk about is so important. And, you know, I we would be so much healthier, fulfilled, happier if we took the time to go through that. It doesn't have to be complicated. I understand in some situations it's nice to have someone to support you in that, depending on what's yeah. below. Yeah. Um, but it really brings it in home, like how important that is to just acknowledge consciously, to bring it into conscious and to, so that we can then transition yes. better. I, I, you know, I see that they're doing so much more of that now with, for example, if we go back just as an example with the transition from primary to high school, I love what the school did, but there are, there, there are, you know, there are some things that, 
society doesn't, you know, that, and like as simple as moving homes, um, little, little, um, rituals that we can do for ourselves. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be much. Um, you move home, you move, you know, okay, I'm going to shop somewhere differently. I'm going to do this differently. You know, the local parks are going to be different. So it's acknowledging, you know, being grateful for what it was, but then excited about what's to come. And knowing that that's life, you know, going to high school, a lot of her friends would have gone with her. They would have gone to a different high school. So it it is, and it's then it's the breaking the new grounds. Plus at that age, what are they, 13, 12, Mm. 13? They got the hormones running through them and they've got all of these body changes happening and emotions that they're not really sure what to deal with as well as all of this added stuff on top of them. But it is a matter of, you know, asking. I I, I think when we spoke yesterday I told you about this great book um, which I'm reading at the moment, which is um, by Dr. Brian Perry and Oprah, and it's called What Happened to You? Mm. And it's all about asking the question of instead of saying what's wrong with you, actually asking what happened to you like what are the things in your life that have happened to you to you know we are a sum of our everyday experiences so you know for me I'm 64 so I've had a lot of everyday experiences over those 64 years and it's about acknowledge them and saying well that's who's created the person you are so by saying to you you know you know, what has happened to you, you can say, well, I moved country, I came here when I was nine and I didn't really speak English the way that I do now, but I learned it. And and I don't know whether it was a conscious choice or not with you, Susie, but you don't have an accent. That's because I, I learned English and Croatia and I came when I was 13, but it's there in the background. It can be picked up sometimes, but I don't have yes. that full, full on accent. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've, I've met other different people who still keep their accents mm. and, and it's a conscious choice on them and there's nothing wrong with no. that. It's just really interesting that, you know, sometimes people will lose their accent so that they're not bullied, so that they are accepted more Mm. and things like that, whereas when they get older they might bring it back because they then know who they are and they've done that deep dive and they go, you know what, I'm proud of who I am. If you have an issue with it, it's your problem, not mine. Yeah. Um, Karen, it's, you know, our conversation is so multi-layered. Yes. You know, and you're just. We all are multi-layered. Well, we are, and you really bring that to it because you acknowledge the different layers and so therefore we can can dive into that. Um, You're quite an extraordinary woman given, given. Your um, challenging journey, and yeah. given given what you're doing now to help others. Um, yeah, thank you. I haven't mentioned my book. Oh yeah, this is my this this is my fifth but, book. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. So I said, I've got a son on the other side. He just guides me and I just download it. All I've got, I'm like, can you at least? So, Karen. I'm sick of typing it. Can't you type it for me as well? You know, I'll, that I'll, is I'll, just. You know, you know, those magic hands where you just see the, the thing all type. But wow. to find loss, I have to say, um, it, it is an amazing book. And what it does is it deep dives into many of the, it explains loss, you know, the 40 different types of losses. Mm. We deep dive into them. We show, I highlight the hard way 
we do loss and then the more loving way to do loss. And I do deep dive into the um, the five-step process on how you can come back to you. Incredible. And how you can really create that better everyday life. And it's, um, and, you know, I honestly believe that Dan and I planned this life path. You know, we it was about him passing when he did at 27, which in itself is a very interesting age because um, at 28, Saturn returns to the position that it was. So every 28 years it will return to the position it was at your birth. And that's when we tend to go into the next phase of our life. And you think about it, you know, adults around 28, they start to be more responsible. They start to, you know, create family, career, properly and then at 56 you start to go into your more wiser woman years or man years and it really are the different phases of those 28 years so it's quite interesting he passed just before that happened with him um and but I know that him passing it was why it was important for me once I woke up to create you know what we had designed to create and, and it's so easy not to believe me. It is so easy when you are not aware. It's life just rolls along. And then, but I'm pretty sure you get to the end of your life and you have a lot of regrets because you like, I could have done that. Why didn't I try a little bit harder mm. than that? You know, why didn't I go for that extra? You know, so often you'll see it, people quit just before it's about to take off and it's really important for us all to know that we're all here for a reason. We're all spiritual beings having a human experience and, you know, the reason could be for you to be the best mother on earth. It doesn't have to be something on a grand scale mm-hmm. but it's important that we tap into our inner wisdom, our inner knowing and when we when we we just know when you're living life the best way that you can and if you can't reach out Mm. that's why you know sometimes it's just a conversation it's just a different perspective and and it can be just a phrase you know so often and I find my phrases in the most unusual places that you, you get them it could be in a tv show it could be in a book it could be you know as you're driving somewhere it could be a number plate they're there for you all the time and the signs are continually there for you, you know, to lift you up and to let you know that you do matter mm. and your life does matter. So, you know, live it so you do. And get rid of those avoidance tactics. Yeah. I stopped drinking in 2018 just for 2019 because I thought, oh, well, I'll give it up for you. And I didn't miss it. I felt so much better. All of my relationships improved and I just thought I don't need that avoidance tactic in my life anymore, mm. which is really, really great to say. Karen, it's um, thank you. I, I just feel like this is, I don't want to go, I don't, there's no need to go anymore. There's no need to because there's so much in that. Um, I will put a reference for in the show notes for your website and just wanted to go back to the books. Um, are yeah. they available yeah, they can from get them on my website? Yeah. Okay. On my website I've got a bookshelf and they can, you know, buy them on Amazon Beautiful. Kindle or direct from me. Um, so. I'm definitely interested in the demystifying loss. You can imagine how relevant that is for me for my work. Yes. yes. Um, Karen, thank you so much. You've got such a gracious, open heart and thank you thank for you. sharing your incredible wisdom with us. Oh, thank you. It's been so nice to reconnect. Yes, Lovely. it has. Really grateful. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Susie Petruzzi's Empowered Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. Leaving a review helps others find the podcast. And for more information, visit susiepetrozzi.com.